Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies at Blackhawks podcast. Not a very good week for the Blackhawks. Uh, they only played two games, but they did not go well. So and I will let Michael handle the recap for both of these games. Last week was kind of the last hurrah uh, for the Blackhawks playoff chances, I think. It was a vital it was a vitally important weekend for them. They got to face off against both of the teams that they were chasing the two teams that they were in direct competition with for the final two playoff spots. And they got to face both of them at home. And unfortunately the Hawks came up just short in both instances and were not able to get a point out of either game. So that pretty much has put them back into the position they were, um, you know, a a few weeks back when they were just starting their streak. Um, There's now several teams uh, ahead of the Blackhawks with games in hand again uh, that are now in between the Hawks and the final playoff spots. But uh, I guess, Getting back to the actual game coverage, uh, the, the the first of the two games was against the Colorado Avalanche, and it didn't. It they they fell behind one to nothing after the first period. Uh, I actually felt like the Blackhawks played a pretty good first period. Uh, unfortunately, Semyon Varlamov was pretty good in this game. Uh, he's been a on and off, he's been a, a thorn in the Blackhawks' side ever since he went to Colorado. Um, but uh, the, the Hawks were able to continually fight back in this game. It was it was a very much a back and forth game. The Avalanche would score, the Blackhawks would even it up. The Avalanche would retake the lead. Blackhawks would tie it up, and it went back and forth. Armstrong and Patrick Kane both scored. In the second period, it was Kane's 39th on the year. So heading into the uh, final period, it was tied at 2-2. Two to two. And then, as I said, the Avalanche went up by a goal. Alex DeBrinkett scored his 34th to tie it back up at 3-3, three to three, um, like at, at the exact midpoint of the third period. But uh, the Avalanche were able to um, jump ahead once again. The Blackhawks made a a pretty strong effort at the end of the game, uh, getting a pretty good barrage on on Varlamov at the end, but uh, they weren't able to um, send a puck home, and the Avalanche were able to get an empty net goal from Carl Soderberg to to cap off that game. So it was a it was a heartbreaking loss for the for the Hawks. Um, However, it it didn't. It didn't really um, drive a stake through their heart at that point because they still had an opportunity against the Stars two nights later. This was a Sunday afternoon game. But this one, um, even less so than the uh, Avalanche game, Hawks fell behind. It was two to nothing uh, after the first. Then they fell behind by another goal. Um, early in the third or early in the second, excuse me. So they were behind three to nothing. 
and it looked pretty dire for the Hawks, uh, despite the fact that they were getting some chances. But uh, as the Blackhawks have done throughout the course of the year, they're they're never really out of any game, and they got a surprising goal from Chris Kunitz, just his second on the season, uh, to to break their uh, shutout, and then not too much later, Drake Kajula scored. Uh, to get the Hawks back within one. And then in the third, Jonathan Taves came up with a big goal on, on a power play. The Blackhawks would end up with a lot of power play chances throughout the night, it seemed like. And even though they moved the puck pretty well on the power play and they were getting a lot of chances, uh, they, they were only able to get the one goal from Taves. It was his 29th on the year. But the Stars scored about halfway through the third period. It was off of a offensive zone turnover um, by Slater Cuckoo. And it sprung Jason Spezza for a, um, a breakaway. And he was able to bury it. And it put the Stars ahead 4-3. to three. Blackhawks, again, got plenty of chances at the end of the game. The, the, the Hawks actually carried the play for most of this game. They were they outshot the Stars in every period. Uh, the final period, it was 14-3 to three, uh, differential in shots on goal. And overall in the game, it was a 47-29 to 29 advantage for the Blackhawks. But once again, the goaltending on the other side was just a little bit better than the Blackhawks. And they were not able to tie it up at the end. So four huge points on the line, 0 for 4 for the Blackhawks. You know, in a way, it was almost like they uh, got a taste of their own medicine. That all these games that they had been winning where they were getting outchanced and the Blackhawks yep. would bury their few chances... These two games, the Blackhawks were outchancing their opponents, but the opponents buried the couple chances they got. And it, it was really like, you know, you, you, had, you were impressed with the Blackhawks' ability to fight back in these games, but then that those, you know, not being able to finish at the very end just made them devastating losses, even though they were very close games. Yeah, the Blackhawks certainly showed resiliency, which, you know, as I had alluded to, it was kind of a, it's kind of been a trademark of the team throughout the year you know we keep trying to bury the Blackhawks and they keep fighting back and at least making things interesting for the fans and keeping you know they kept playoff hopes alive for a lot longer than we thought they would but um yeah I mean during their big winning streak there were several games that you know like you said it was the exact opposite of these were the the, the Blackhawks had no business winning them, but you know, they, they were just getting by on the unique shooting ability of uh, Patrick Kane and Alex to and a couple other other big stars um, or stealing games uh, thanks to a red hot power play. And um, we kind of had the reverse of that uh, this weekend. And yeah, uh, so I guess you could call it karma, but eh, um, you know, and once again, the Blackhawks, you know, we've talked about it all year. They're not a great team. They probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs, but, um, you know, they've kept it interesting all year. They're a fun team, and these were fun games despite the uh, unfortunate outcome. 
Yeah, and you know, I guess we shouldn't say that Blackhawks not technically totally dead, but they're going to have to tear off another winning streak like they just had. And I mean, the chances of that aren't very good. But if they were to go on like another seven game or eight game winning streak, they would still technically be alive. But asking sure. for another one of those is just it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Yeah, not not only is it unlikely for them to to rip off another winning streak like that. Uh, they went into the weekend with no team separating them from the final playoff spot. And they left the weekend with, I think it's three or even four teams between them and the final playoff spot now. So all of these teams leapfrog the Hawks. And it's just one of those things where even if you get hot, one of those other teams is probably going to get hot too. So it's just really hard to make up that much to leapfrog that many teams in the NHL with the high number of three point games that there are. And that was really the killer for the Blackhawks this weekend was they got nothing out of those games. If they were able to send either one of those games to overtime, I think they would have given themselves, you know, they would have positioned themselves so much better, but just going Oh, for four out of those games was a, a really tough uh, outcome for them. Yep. And of course, uh trade deadline was uh, this Monday just happened and the Blackhawks did not make any moves, but I guess you can kind of call it a possible upgrade. I mean, cause Corey Crawford's coming back uh, for yeah. this road trip. So, but you know, he's been injured for a long time and he wasn't like out of this world earlier in the year when he played, but that, you've got to think it is on paper, at least an upgrade. Sure. Yeah. Colin Dolly's play had definitely fallen off a little bit the past couple of weeks. He's still probably better than Cam Ward, but the difference between the two is not quite as stark as it was. Delia first came up and was, was riding a pretty good hot streak. Uh, I think the big thing is for the Blackhawks, you know, the team believes in Corey Crawford. I think they, if they are going to get back into the playoff hunt, I think they believe it'll come from Crawford getting hot and stealing some games for, for them. Uh, we, we haven't had too many games this season where the Blackhawks goalie has really stolen victories. We've had a lot of games where the, the, the goalie's done a good job of keeping them in games, but most of the games the Blackhawks have won have been a result of run and gun just outscoring the other team. Um, so I I think the at least the veterans on the team are going to look at this as, hey, we at least got somebody that we can count on. He's he's had the experience of of winning games that he shouldn't and isn't quite as um, uh, out of his prime as uh, Cam Ward is. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely net positive. And in the case, it, it and for Delia, it did allow them to send him down to Rockford prior to the uh, deadline for the playoff rosters in the AHL. So Delia is going to be able to get to go down there. And like he did last year, he's going to get to be the guy for the Ice Hogs during the playoffs and hopefully have another nice long playoff run for them. Uh, that was a big 
uh, boost to his confidence last year where, you know, mid season, he was in the ECHL and wasn't even lighting the world up down uh, on fire down there. And then he slowly worked his way up into the regular rotation in Rockford. Thanks in large part to, you know, all the injuries in Chicago and guys having to get in shuttled up there. He was just kind of the last guy standing in Rockford, but he took advantage of that opportunity, got hot and it, you know, it's really helped with his development. So hopefully this will be a similar situation, gain a lot of confidence at the end of this year so that when he heads into training camp next year, he's going to eat we we know he's going to be the backup to Crawford next year. They they signed him to that extension. Uh, I don't know, was it last week or the week before? So yeah, I, you know the other guy that they made a paper transaction with was Dylan Sakura. He's going to be able to go down to Rockford as well at the end of the season and participate in their playoffs. Although I do expect, you know, they they sent him down yesterday but i expect sakura will get recalled uh, on wednesday to 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 play in their next game so yeah i was just going to explain to people that don't know the whole thing uh, they don't have to like they just have to be sent down like by this deadline and then they can come right back up to the blackhawks it's just they don't even have to go to rockford it's just like they right. they you know technically send them down for a day and then they can play in the playoffs so like right. if, there, there's even a couple of um, beat writers warning people. If you see guys being sent down to the AHL, don't worry. They're not going to the AHL. That's just a temporary one day thing. Yeah. I actually expected it with a couple of more guys um, than what actually occurred. Um, I, I guess maybe the, the longer I thought about it, I think a couple of the guys like Cuckoo and Forsling are no longer waiver exempt. Uh, Dahlstrom, I think, too. So, in order to send any of those guys down, they would have had to expose them to waivers, which um, you know the Hawks were probably not prepared to do at this point. So, at this point, it's just Sakura. Delhi is actually going to go down to Rockford because they don't need him in Chicago anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be Sakura, and uh, that's really it from the current Blackhawks squad. Um, I guess uh, you can count. Yoki Haru in there as well. He, uh, I guess we didn't really talk about it. He did come up for the Colorado game, uh, the first game from the weekend, and didn't play much, uh, didn't make much of an impact. Uh, although I thought he played pretty well, but it, it's just clear uh, Colleton isn't ready to trust him, although I don't fully understand that. Well, yeah, the uh, question I have is like, you know, you don't trust him, but you trust like a, no offense to Slater Cuckoo, but you trust Slater Cuckoo over, I mean, would you trust him or, or Forsling or any of them over Yoki Haru either? But. Yeah. Uh, despite his egregious turnover uh, in the Dallas game, I, I do think Cuckoo's been playing decently um, or at least the, the least bad out of the, Cuckoo, Forsling, Dahlstrom trio that we're trying to get by with. If I had to vote on which of the three I would be willing to bring back next year as a sixth or seventh defenseman, uh, I think Cuckoo would probably garner my vote right now. But 
Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not real pleased with those three guys. You just you, if it was just one of them, fine, and you know they're rotating in, that's fine. But boy, you know, in some of those games where we're playing two or even three of them, uh, last week when Seabrook was out, I think there was a game where all three of them were in. That's just that they're not ready for that, and perhaps never will be at the NHL level. Yeah, I guess I would probably if I Dahlstrom looked good to start the. It's career, so maybe I'd bank on that would be more the norm going forward. But like you said, it's not it's kinda like choosing between, you know, three not very good options, but Yeah. Yeah. The and none of them have played consistently enough where there's a clear winner out of that group. So I, I am very curious to see how the Blackhawks end up sorting all of that out because they can't send any of them down to the AHL. I, I don't think any of them will have any particular trade value. You could probably get a mid round pick for a couple of them. If a team, uh, you know, has an opening for a, a seventh defenseman that they want on the cheap. Uh, but yeah, I just, the Blackhawks, I, I, that was the one surprise to me at the deadline. I wasn't expecting any big moves, but I really did think that they were going to move at least one defenseman just to, free up some roster spots uh, between Chicago and Rockford because I I guess they did make the, a little move in uh, with the ice hog squad where they moved Darren Radish to the Rangers for um, veteran centerman, Peter Holland. He's a guy that's bounced around the NHL Mm -hmm. and the AHL for several years, uh, but he's been kind of a full-time AHL player, I think for the last couple of years. Um, but the rock uh, Rockford's been struggling to score goals all season. And so, and like the Blackhawks, they they've had an extra defenseman on their roster all year. So they were, they were able to move Radish. Um, I think Yoki Haru had kind of taken over his role as the main right-handed defenseman down there. So they were able to get a little bit of veteran scoring for, uh, you know, the playoff run. And, you know, of course it'll help, that squad to get Delia back as well and Yoki Haru. So yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that the ice hogs are probably going to be the one that, you know, has exciting playoff hockey in their future and not the, the Blackhawks, but just yeah. is what it is. Yep. Yeah, and it's also kind of um, unfortunate that Radish didn't make the NHL so he could make a bunch of salad jokes about him when he played, but what can you do? I do believe his brother plays for, the lightning organization. Uh, I don't think he's actually made his NHL debut yet, but you might still get a, you, you might still get a chance. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, um, I guess I'm trying to think what else to really, because this week was kind of a bummer with the two games that they had gone differently, but um, yeah, and then we don't really have any trade deadline stuff to talk about. So I, I will say that I feel, I actually feel pretty good about, where the Blackhawks are going into next year, especially if they can pick up a, like a semi-decent defenseman or two. Like, I think they might be in pretty good shape next year, but we'll see. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's the bottom third of the roster there. It, it, that is the problem. I, I feel pretty good about their, their top end forwards. We really don't have a first pairing defenseman at this point. Duncan Keith just, you know, he's, 
not quite at that level anymore. And Yoki Haru's not quite up to that level yet. So maybe next year he can start working his way into that. Um, I don't foresee the Blackhawks uh, bringing in a big enough acquisition on defense where, you know, it would be a first line or a first pairing caliber guy. Um, I, I could see them bringing in more of a, a one year stop gap while they wait for all their defensive prospects to get a little bit of time in the AHL. Um, you know, it's, it's likely that Ian Mitchell and Adam Boquist and Nicholas Baudin and Chad Chris, all these first and second round picks from the last couple of years are going to sign at the end of the year. And the expectation is that all of them will play in the AHL next year, but with the potential for maybe one of those guys to, you know, to break into the NHL. So, yeah, I don't think they want to clog it up long term. Um, but yeah, yeah you're hoping for, yeah, you're hoping for a couple like a guy's like a better version of like a Brandon Manning, like, you know, for that kind of salary rate. Yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of acquisition, but just, you know, somebody who doesn't suck. Yep, basically. Yeah. Yep. Well, and again, uh, for the love of God, give me a couple of forwards to help out that fourth line. Uh, the fourth line's worthless. Yes. Yeah. No. It's it hasn't done much, and even with a uh, Kunitz scoring the other day, yeah. Yeah, got- I I will give them credit. I actually thought they the fourth line had a pretty good showing over the weekend in both games. Uh, they. They're not useless in every game, but uh, overall, it's certainly not a good fourth line. And I've made my dislike for John Hayden and Brandon Perlini and Chris Kunitz uh, well known on Twitter and I probably on this podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So they don't they don't uh, need to to have any more uh, venom heaped on them from me, I guess. Well, you know, that's one thing that's kind of, it was nice that these games, like, like you were kind of hinting at um, before, it was nice that there were games that like felt like a big game. Like it's yeah. been, it been a, like what, since the playoffs against Nashville, it'd been a while since there was a big game like this. I mean, they didn't go well, but still it was nice to go. These are important games that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, basically since, the opening week of last year, maybe when they kind of surprised everybody and they came out red hot and scoring goals. And it seemed like, ah, well, you know, maybe they still have something, but you know, the the season obviously went off the rails pretty quick last year. And then kind of the same thing this year after a hot start. And so, yeah, late in the season, this is the first big game we've had in yeah. Since Nashville series. All right, well, I guess since there's not much more to talk about, we'll go to the preview for this week coming up. And the big thing basically to say is it's a West Coast trip, yep. which I don't know if the – did they – I think they played like November. Did they have – they were out in the West Coast one time before. Yeah, I, they've taken a couple of quick trips out there. I know they did a Western Canada swing, but – 
I think they've only like popped in and out of of California um, this year. I, I think this is really their only American West Coast trip that we can. Yeah, the only other time was they played a quick against Anaheim and Vegas back to back days in December, but that's it for West Coast. So, all right. So this week uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so. Wednesday, tomorrow, uh, they head to Anaheim at 9 p.m. Central Time to take on the Ducks. It's uh, NBCSN, so it's on national TV. Uh, the Ducks, not very good. The Blackhawks have actually done decently against the Ducks this year. I know they beat them early in the year, but the Ducks, just their big problem is just a complete lack of offense. They just yeah. cannot score. And they moved a couple of pieces at the deadline, too, so they're going to be even worse going forward. Uh, And then, of course, on Saturday, a day game, uh, 3 p.m. Central Time, in L.A. against the Kings. And obviously a bad team. Yes, the Kings uh, making a real drive for the number one overall pick, although they did beat the Blackhawks earlier in the year. so They did. But that was when the Blackhawks were... Also playing pretty badly. So, and then they wrap up the week on Sunday, right? The next day at San Jose at 9 p.m. Central Time. San Jose is good. They will make the playoffs. I don't know if they're like a real contender, but they're uh, second place behind Calgary in the uh, Pacific Division. So they're good. Yeah, yeah, and they they made a nice acquisition of Gustav Nyquist at the deadline, giving them some additional depth scoring. Uh, that wasn't really their issue. Uh, they're a pretty good offensive team, but you know you can never have too many goal scorers. So yeah, they're definitely the only good team that the Hawks are going to be facing this week. You know, if, if the Colorado and Dallas games last weekend, at least position the nail in the, in the Hawks coffin, if they fail to get it, you know, if they, if they fail to show up against Anaheim and, and LA and don't get at least three points out of those two cupcake cupcake games, then that would, drive the nail into the coffin for the Hawks. Yep. And the only thing you think you really worry about more than even the teams is just, you know, going to the West coast can sometimes mess with you, even if you're not playing good teams, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to have to tear off a lot of wins coming up. Yeah. They want to stay in this race. And they've kind of put themselves up against the wall here. So there's no margin for error. Pretty much got to win two out of three games the rest of the year. If not even more than that. Yep. The one good thing I will say is that they do play Dallas two more times and they play Avalanche two more times. And I think they play the Coyotes again. So, and the um, Vancouver Canucks, you know, they play some of the teams in front of them, but they're going to have to do very well in those games. Yep. I don't think we've got much more to add other than that. Of course, we'll be back next week. Um, I'm on Twitter at STH 85 and Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Yep. And uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. Just look up emergency goalies on iTunes and you can subscribe. And if you're on there, maybe give us a rating and a review, even if it's a bad one, which is dangerous for you to say, but just well, let us know. I, you- 
I will say, don't listen to last week's episode. I was really bad on last week's episode. The uh, I didn't bring it up, but the reason why uh, we had to delay last week's episode was I have uh, some issues with my jaw on occasion where it can be difficult for me to talk. So doing a podcast for 45 minutes was probably not a good idea for me last Tuesday. So we pushed it to Thursday, but I was still having quite a bit of difficulty with my voice and was not stuttering a lot, but I was having to gather my myself quite a bit. So please ignore last week's effort on my behalf, please. Well, it still seemed to come off pretty good. So maybe, maybe my world-class editing helped things. I yeah. yeah, you could, you, you might've helped me out a little bit, but I did listen to it and I, I, I kept listening to myself stumbling the whole time trying to, get my voice back together. So, well, hopefully this week was better. Yes, I think it was. So until next week, thank you for listening, everyone.